Lindquist, as was mentioned, uh, my wife, Elena, and our two kids, Jack and Anna. Uh, they are at a friend's house watching Pittsburgh Church uh, together uh, with a, another family, which is pretty cool. But uh, they send their love as well. My son, Jack, is almost five. My daughter, um, Anna, is almost two. So it is a lively house, lots of fun things, as I'll share about a little bit later. But uh, I'm not here to talk about how much I love the Blue Ridge Church of Christ, because I love you guys a lot. I'm not here to talk about my family. I'm here this morning to talk about Pepper. Pepper. I have a, oh, I had a plant, just ruined the story there, but I had a plant named Pepper. And uh, my son named it. I, I, you know, we all did a little bit of crazy things in the beginning of quarantine. Maybe some of you guys started baking bread. Some of you took on some hobbies. My first thing was paint by numbers but it didn't turn out so hot. So I had to abandon ship and move on to the next thing. So I was like, I'm going to grow a banana pepper plant. Um, it was on sale for like $3.99 at Home Depot. I was like, that's all I need. You know, it, it honestly was already started. I just had to keep it alive, which you may think that shouldn't be that hard, but I have a terrible track record with plants. Um, in fact, we have many succulents in our home that are currently dying. And succulents are not supposed to die. They're supposed to be the easiest plant to take care of, but it is a weakness for us. If you have tips, if you are a botanist of any kind, we will, we're open to input and advice, but we are a plant killing family. But I said, in this quarantine, that will not happen. We will, we will get this banana pepper plant to bear fruit and we will enjoy the fruit. And I just wanted to grow something that I could eat. Isn't there something cool about that? Like I grow something and then I get to eat it. And some of you are like, yeah, I do that all the time, James. But for me, it's just a dream of mine, something I longed for. And now I'm home all the time for quarantine. So you're like, okay, how much water does it need? And you can measure it out. We didn't really measure it out, but we made sure, okay, let's, let's get it the right nutrients. And every day my son, Jack would, would look at the pepper plant. He go, daddy, pepper's growing. Except you can't say his R, so it'd be Peppa's growing, <laughs> and it would just be Peppa's growing, and and the plant surely enough would start to grow, and it got taller, it started drooping a little bit, and we tried to to use a stick to kind of set it up just a little bit, and and the next day Peppa's growing, but I would go and look for peppers on the plant, and there were none. There were some flowers, and I was like, man, okay, this is gonna happen, and every day maybe not every day, but every other day, I'd be like, okay, it's today the day we're going to see a pepper. And the anticipation was building and building. And it makes me think a little bit like our life in God's eyes, that God, of course, and this is, we're going to see this in chapter 13 of Luke, if you want to turn there, but God has planted us. He has longed for us to bear fruit, to live out our purpose, to glorify him, to bring forth a plant and, and fruit and, and to, to multiply all these things. God has a vision for us and he comes to us and gives us everything we need to bear fruit. And he expects us as our creator to live out our purpose of creation. And that is to bear fruit. Now, if you've been around our church for a while, the, the definition of bearing fruit gets a little funky at times, right? Sometimes we're like, oh, bearing fruit, that means making disciples. I, I got to make disciples, that's bearing fruit. And then sometimes you're like, no, it can't mean that. Bearing fruit is only the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, something, something self-control, you know, whatever that list is, right? We're like, that's, I got to bear those kinds of fruit. And it's almost like there's two camps, like bearing fruit just is, is being like God. No, bearing fruit is helping others be like God. And of course, 
It's both. Bearing fruit, the very nature of a fruit is that a fruit is a seed to plant another tree. So bearing fruit has to mean multiplication, has to mean that I'm desiring to make disciples. But if I want to make disciples effectively, I've got to be a disciple. I've got to be a follower of Christ. And so bearing fruit for our purposes today is simply knowing God and making God known. If I know who God is, if I know the love of the Father and I reflect that, man, I'm going to make disciples. That is a byproduct of me knowing God and exemplifying him. So we're called to bear fruit. We have an incredible purpose in God. We are meant to be fruitful and to fulfill this purpose that God has destined us for. There's a bit of a challenge to that, right? God's purpose and what I want don't always go, go together, right? What I want and my purposes often can clash with God's. And so Jesus has a word for us when that happens. Let's, let's look in the middle here of our text in Luke 13. We're actually going to start in verse 5. We're going to be all throughout kind of verses 1 through 9, but we'll actually start in verse 5. He says, I tell you no, this is Jesus talking, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming, looking for fruit on this fig tree, and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? And so this kind of the, the, the middle, again, of our text here, but basically, Jesus defines what repentance is right here. He says, you need to repent and change so that you can bear fruit. And so what happens is I have this purpose in Christ, right, to bear fruit. But my purpose uh, from God clashes with what I want. And what do I need to do? I need to repent. <laughs> I need to change and choose God's purpose over what I want. God's purpose over my own purpose. And to really seek to fulfill what God desires and what God has designed me for. And so this passage that we're going to read today, it highlights this idea of repentance, but it paints a picture, not just of, I got to repent and I got to change, but I've got to go back to the purpose that God made me for. I've got to go back to this eternal destiny that God has called me into. And therefore I must, and I want to bear fruit. And even in this call, this great purpose that we have, I believe there's something that can get in the way, something that can obfuscate our purpose, that can cloud our judgment of, of what it is that we're meant to do in Christ. And that's, that's really what we're going to talk about today. Our, our title of our message is Packed with Purpose, that I believe our life as Christians is packed with purpose from God. So let's read the whole text here in its, uh, in its context. In Luke chapter 13, verse 1 says, now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you two will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. We'll stop here for now. So what's happening here is these guys are approaching Jesus and they're saying, extra, extra, did you, did you hear the news? 
the 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 blood basically Pilate has done a terrible thing he's mixed the blood of uh, the sacrifices with the blood of some Galileans and that's a, a big deal that's a no-no and they're trying to get Jesus's response is he going to say wow those guys had it coming or is he going to say wow Pilate is a terrible guy down with Pilate let's go let's call the arms let's take him out and so they're trying to see which way does Jesus lean within the political spectrum of the day and Jesus' response says, I'm not focused the way you are on what's going on out here. I want you to focus. I need you to focus on what's going on in here. He goes, do you think they're worse sinners? He goes, no. But unless you repent, you will perish just like they did. And he uses the word all there, very, very importantly, both times. Because he says the same phrase. Do you think they're worse sinners? Do you think they were more in debt? He goes, no, that's not how sin works. There's no such thing as worse sinners. We're either in need of God's grace and mercy or we're not. And guess what? Everybody is in need of God's grace and mercy. And so everybody has a need and a call to repent. And so that's the picture that's painted here. All need to repent. And, um, and he doesn't even have a conversation with them, by the way. He, they just ask one question or make one statement and Jesus kind of has this conversation with himself. And then he switches. He's like, okay, so you have to repent. And let me tell you the stakes. If you don't repent, you will perish. He's, it's not like the suggestion. Like when you get around to it, if you can, change just a little bit. You know, next year's New Year's resolution, if you could just be a little bit kinder, a little bit nicer, that, that would sure be nice. He goes, no, you must repent or you will perish. And he lays out this dichotomy, this challenging aspect. And for us as Christians, we can't lose sight that Jesus said these words. I think sometimes we think, oh, Jesus just says, just love, just love. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And sure, yeah, Paul talks about repentance or there's the Old Testament. But Jesus says these words, repent or perish. They're right there. But Jesus doesn't just say those words. He's going to paint us a picture. And that's where the parable comes in. Jesus calls us to repent. And he says, if you don't do it, you're going to perish. It's not going to go the way you want it to. But let me break it down for you. Let me, let me sing you this song of what it's going to look like. And so then we pick up in verse 6. It says, then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found anything. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So it paints this picture of the vineyard. And most scholars, anytime there's kind of a vineyard mentioned in the New Testament, it's a reference to a song in the Old Testament, to Isaiah 5. You can go check that out on your own. But God sings this song to his people. And he says, I made you like a vineyard. And I, I gave you everything you needed. I dug out the wine press. I protected you. I built a hedge around you for safety. I plowed. I watered. I gave you everything you need. And yet you refuse to bear fruit. And it's this song that shows the love and the heart of God. And so Jesus is reiterating that. He's basically saying, hey, guys, I love you like a love song, baby. Like, I, I feel this heart towards you. I'm, I'm bringing this to you, this love song from Isaiah 5. I'm bringing it right now back into your heart. It says, that's what it's like. This man had a fig tree and he gave it 
everything it needed to be successful. He plowed it. He, he, he um, you know, um, pruned it. All these things that we know that God does. And what does he do at, at the end of the time period? He accepts fruit or he expects fruit. He expects it to bear fruit, just like with the pepper plant. Pepper's growing. Where are the peppers? Come on, you have one job, pepper plant. Help me get through this quarantine time and bear me a pepper. And God's like, I've created you for one incredible purpose. Bear fruit. And usually we read this because it says three years. We read it straight up as three years. But it's actually a much longer per, uh, uh, time period. So it would take three years for a fig tree to start bearing fruit. So that's the first set of three years. And then it would take about three years for it to basically get good at bearing fruit. So at the end of those three years, then it would be worthy to have first fruits that can be sacrificed. So now we're at six years. And then it says the master came for three years expecting it to bear fruit. So the, the master wouldn't come down to the vineyard until it was ready. So we're actually looking at a span of nine years where I just imagine, and by the way, a fig tree can bear fruit uh, 10 months out of the year. So for 10 months, for nine years, do the math, that's 90 months. That's pretty good math, right? I didn't go to UVA, I went to JMU, but I can do the math. Anyway, <laughs> so they, um, uh, the, it tells the story, sorry, of this, um, the master coming down and expecting fruit. And it just shows the heart that God sees our potential. He sees our purpose that we're packed with, uh, with purpose. And he comes down and says, today's the day. There's going to be fruit. Today's the day. It's, it's going to do what it needs to do. And every day expecting fruit. And imagine the, the disappointment of not finding it. And yet the renewed hope of maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day. And I'm going to give it everything it needs to succeed. You know, it's not unreasonable for the farmer to expect fruit from a fruit tree, and it's not unreasonable for God to expect fruit from our lives. He's given us what we need to bear fruit. You know, he's given us the love that we need. And if you, if love, when it's fully understood, it's got to change us. It's got to lead us to bear fruit. It gives us purpose. And so that's God's heart towards us, that he's given us everything we need to do to bear fruit. But I think for a lot of us, we have set uh, we, we have hit the snooze button on the call to grow and change. So there's this call to repent, this call to bear fruit. And we know it's true. It's not that we don't know I need to change or I want to change or I want to be more like Jesus. But what do we do? We hit the snooze. Say, I'll get to it tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll bear fruit. Next month, next week. For me, I, I set these arbitrary dates, right? You know, especially towards the end of the year and maybe with eating right, you're like, okay, after Thanksgiving, I'm going to start eating right. And then you're like, but Christmas cookies. Okay, after, after Christmas, then I'll, then I'll stop eating so much sweets. Then you're like, but, you know, January 1st, that, I don't want to set a goal for January 1st. That's just, that's what everybody else does. I'll wait till Valentine's. After the Valentine's donut, you know, Dunkin' Donuts has this amazing brownie. Um, oh, man, it's amazing. I'll stop. It has this amazing brownie battered donut. So I'm like, okay, after the seasonal donuts from Dunkin' Donuts, then I'll start. And we just kind of set these arbitrary dates, or at least that's what I do. And I delay the change or the growth that I actually know I want to do or need to do by just saying, I'll get to it later. And it's like hitting the snooze button. 
in college, my, uh, my roommate, Cole Seabold, who a lot of you guys uh, might remember from, from Charlottesville, Cole um, slept on the bunk above me our freshman year. And he, he had this ambition that he was going to wake up at five every morning. I don't remember a time he woke up at five, but I remember all the days he set his alarm for five. So he set his alarm and it wasn't like a, a phone alarm. Those didn't exist then, but it was, he had rigged his speakers, you know, external speakers for his uh, laptop to play uh, Rage Against the Machine, The Renegades of Funk. You can look it up, The Renegade, Renegades of Funk. I only know the first 15 seconds of that song because that's all that would play. And then he'd hit snooze. And then five minutes later, it would play again. And it drove me nuts. I mean, I would literally be kicking the top bunk. I'd be like, come on, wake up, do something or don't set your alarm. And I think for a lot of us, we know we want to get up early. We want to grow. We want to change. We want to repent. And what do we do? We hit the snooze button. We'll say, I'll get to it a little bit later. And when we do that, we actually fool ourselves into thinking that a few more rotations of the earth will actually render the changes I need to make easier. We somehow fool ourselves into thinking that a little bit more time will somehow lessen the depth of the call that God is giving me. And we have things that we know we need to do. Things like getting serious about our life with God, getting serious about our quiet times, getting serious about opening up yourself for more help and discipling in your life, taking a particular sin in your life seriously or getting open, forgiving that one person that's, that's bringing so much bitterness in your life or those lots of people that are bringing so much bitterness into your life. There's things we know we need to do and yet we kind of wait. We hit the snooze button. And when we wait, we're actually beginning the journey with compromise. When we wait to do something, we're beginning the journey with compromise and it's a recipe for failure. Ecclesiastes 11.4 tells us those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. That's Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4. Those who wait for the perfect weather will never plant seeds. And don't get me wrong. We all have seasons where change is going to be more difficult. Seasons where things are going to be challenging. But God makes it clear time and time again that today is a great day for repentance. That today is the day that the time is now for repentance. And that's what this passage is saying. It's quick pace. Jesus doesn't even engage in a conversation because he doesn't have the time. He's like, I've got to get this through to you. Now is the time, regardless of what others are doing, regardless of what's happening in the world around us, now is the time for you to repent. Why? You can't control what others are doing. You know, um, there's a, a man who survived the Holocaust, uh, Victor Frankl, who famously said, people can take everything away from you except your ability to respond. And he says, people can, can do anything they want to you, but nobody can remove your ability to respond in the right way. That you have control over that no matter the circumstance. That no matter what's going on around us, we have the obligation as Christians and the, the responsibility and the opportunity to respond and react in a godly way. And Jesus says that starts with repentance. It starts with live, choosing to live out the purpose and the, the fruit-bearing life that I've called you to live. So why is it? If that's what God wants for us, why is it that we wait? Like, why do we, we all know if you hit the snooze button in the morning to wake up, you're like, I'm not going to get quality sleep. It's not like you're going to get an extra REM cycle. Maybe you guys have that figured out. I have not figured out how to do that. It actually makes me feel worse later. And so in life, why do we hit the snooze button on actually growing the way that God is calling us to grow? 
Well, I think there's a few reasons. I think we know that the work required is going to be tough. We know it's going to be hard and we just sometimes flat out don't want to do it, right? I'm just, I know it's going to be tough, so I don't want to do it. I think sometimes we get so focused on what other people need to do to change that we lose sight of how I need to change. And sometimes when we're aware of, of things going on, we're, we're way more sensitive to the sin of others around us than the sin in our own heart. Sometimes we just think, I, maybe I don't actually need to change. That something's been on your spiritual to-do list for so long that it's kind of faded a little bit. And it just kind of blends in. And, and you forget, man, man, this is an area I actually need to grow in. But I don't think it's always laziness. I think there's other things that can keep us from growing as well. Maybe you've tried to grow in a particular area, tried to repent, tried to bear fruit in a particular area, and you've fallen on your face. You've failed. It hasn't gone well. I think in those moments, what we want to do is say, why would I ever try that again? I, and we start doubting ourselves. We start doubting God. Can I really grow? Can God really help me to be fruitful? Surely not. I must be the exception to the rule. I must be too messed up, too, too not good at this. And, and we buy into this this, uh, I guess, doctrine of weakness instead of looking to what God is actually offering us. And I think that that happens to a lot of us. Maybe you just get overwhelmed. Like you look at the, the mountain of change that needs to occur in your life. And you're like, I don't even know where to start. It's so, it's so monstrous. I'm just going to stay down. Instead of trying to, you know, summit that mountain, I'm just going to stay down here in the ski lodge of complacency, sipping some hot chocolate. I feel much more comfortable here than, than going out and trying to actually grow and change. You know, for me, I mentioned this earlier, I just get really seasonal. I just get focused on these arbitrary dates and okay, I don't know why the first, maybe you guys are like this too. Okay, March 1st, I'm going to, I'm going to have a great prayer life March 1st. Okay, April 1st. Okay, when I, that's actually my birthday. So once I turn, you know, 30, 31, I think I'm turning, once I turn 31, okay, then, then I'll really be a godly man and I'll go after it. I just set these dates. And it's just delaying the, the repentance that God is calling me to. Again, today is a great day for repentance. That's what Jesus tells us in that story. Maybe you have some new church leaders coming in. And you're like, okay, when the new church leaders come in, this is just hypothetical, right? But you have some new church leaders coming in. And you're like, whoo, okay, I'll grow. I'll really deal with this. I'll really start dealing with this with the, the new couple. You know, it's a couple months. God won't mind if I take take a pause on my discipleship for a couple months. I'll just, I'll just hit, hit the brakes, you know, have a, a little retreat here. No, now's the time to go after these things. You know, I, I say that to you guys, but I also say it to us up in Pittsburgh. Our, um, our church leaders, uh, Sean and Joyce McDonnell have been in Canada for the last 15, 16 months because of some immigration challenges. And it's seeming like uh, they're just facing these challenges. And so of coming back, and so it's easy to be like, okay, well, once we know how that situation is going to go, then I will be who I need to be. Does that make sense? Once I've even had this thought, okay, if I were to lead the whole church, because right now I, I mostly do campus or it's hybrid, it's kind of do whatever it needs to be done right now. But once I lead the whole church, then I'll really start praying for every member of the church. And I remember talking to Sean, he's like, why would you wait to do that until you're in that position? Why would you wait for that title to serve in that capacity? Or man, okay, once, once I'm, I'm leading the church, then I'm really going to find other uh, married couples to study the Bible with in our neighborhood. Because again, we focus primarily on campus. And it's like, why would I wait for that title to serve in the way that I know God is calling me to serve? Because I'm interacting with 
families through my son's preschool or families through our neighborhood. And, and God is, is calling out to me to share my faith and to engage. Why would I hit the snooze on that because of a, a man-made kind of timetable? No, I've got to choose to serve God now. And why is waiting such a big deal? Why, why is waiting not what we're supposed to do? I think when we wait to grow, according to this passage, we hurt others and we start to stink. I'll explain that in just a second. I think we hurt others. In this passage with the, the fig tree, why does God want to cut it down? It is eating up the soil. It is hurting the growth of the other plants. Now, when I'm not being who I need to be in Christ, I hurt others. I, I hurt my relationships. I hurt the people I serve. Um, especially I've been noticing, and I wasn't noticing, and my wife Elena pointed it out, that I've been getting really harsh with my son, Jack, and really kind of losing my temper, um, which, if you know me, that's not my personality at all. So I'm like, oh, surely I don't struggle with that. But she pointed out, you've been really harsh. And I think what I realized is because it's not my personality, I put on like, okay, I use the word stern. I got to be extra stern here. But in doing that, and it's not like, it's like, you need to go to a quiet time. It's not like crazy stuff, but he kind of shrinks back. And we, we got some input and realized, man, we've got to be more purposeful in our parenting. And I've got to change my attitude and stop being so uh, impatience driven in the way that I parent. But by not growing and not changing, I'm hurting my family. So when we don't accept God's purpose, we hurt those around us. And on top of that, if we delay the change God is calling us to, it doesn't get any easier. Last Thanksgiving, uh, we went home to Elena's family and hung out with them, and I forgot deodorant. I know, right? Terrible decision. And it's about a five-day trip, and you're like, is it really that big of a deal? Just five days. I don't want to go out and buy new deodorant. I'll just, you know, shower when I can and when I get home. But believe it or not, I didn't start smelling better over the course of those five days by delaying my need for deodorant. In fact, I started smelling worse. Family members were avoiding me. Now, that's not true, but I did try to like hug people goodbye kind of like this. Like, I can't, I can't do this. That's too, that's too much. Hey guys, thanks for having us over. But I think sometimes we think of growth, like it'll get easier or simpler in the future. And really we're just, we're just starting to stink it up and it doesn't get better. It doesn't go anywhere. In fact, Hebrews tells us it hardens our heart. And that's what turns us away from God. I think very few people choose to turn away from God. I think they choose to not repent and then the sin hardens their heart and that turns them away from the living God, according to Hebrews chapter three. And so why do we, why do we need to choose to not wait? Well, because God is calling us to repent today. He says, now is the time. And he shows us that in the beauty of verse nine. And we'll kind of close with the, the beauty of this, this uh, last verse here. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. Give it one more shot. And I will fertilize it. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Whew. Here it is. It's, it's, it's not doing what it's meant to do, and it should be chucked out. You know, when Pepper, you know, Pe you remember Pepper from earlier? Pepper, when, when it wasn't bearing fruit, just wanted to chuck it, say, forget it. I'll never be good at growing plants. I'll just have to buy my, my vegetables like, a, like a, some idiot who can't even grow their own stuff. What's wrong? You know, and I just want to give up. And, and this, this um, 
owner of the vineyard has every right to say, forget it, chuck it out the window, no more. But instead, the vine dresser steps and says, no, let's, let's give it one more year. Let's help it to be successful. And oftentimes we read this as God versus Jesus, but that's not true. It's not like Jesus has a totally different character from God. This is God. This is Jesus. And we see his justice and his mercy in this challenging tension. The mercy of, of Jesus and the judgment of Jesus all wrapped into one. And we feel this tension because God, there, there is a consequence for our sin, but there's also this outpouring of love and mercy that God wants to give us. And then the parable ends. We don't know what happens. And you're like, what? Does it bear fruit or does it not? And Jesus specifically does that so that it will end on a cliffhanger and we are part two of the parable. You are the sequel to the parable because you are the fig tree. Will you respond to the love and mercy and tender compassion of Jesus? Will you be so moved by who you are in God's sight, how precious you are, that you will choose to not delay the change God is calling you to, not to delay your destiny, not to procrastinate your purpose, but instead to choose to grow, to choose to lean into God's calling, God's pruning, all the stuff that God is doing to help you live out your purpose. You are packed with purpose, and God is calling you to do that. What is it that you're delaying? What areas have you paused your purpose? What does God want from you? What is God trying to bring about in your life? I think it's important, by the way, to think of bearing fruit, not as fixing myself. I think sometimes we can swing, or some of you might swing into the big, oh, I'm, I'm not good in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area, and I just need to fix myself. And it's not about fixing ourselves or even about changing so that we'll like ourselves. Our, our worth comes from what God says we are. And we're his precious possession. We're his treasured possession. And so it's not about I need to change because I don't like myself. It's I want to change because of who God is and what he's bringing about in my life. I'm loved by the creator of the universe. I want to live out the purpose of that creation. That's our mindset. That's our motivation. And, and Jesus seals the deal, not only in this passage, but in him choosing to die for us. And praise God that, that his love for us isn't seasonal, right? That God isn't like, Fine, I'll figure out a way to love you, you know, next month. But God's love for us is in season and out of season. God's grace that he pours out on us is in season and out of season. God's mercy towards us is in season and out of season. Why? Because we need it in season and out of season. And he pours it on us. In the beginning of this passage, the, the news that's brought to Jesus is about Galileans whose blood were mixed with sacrifice by Pilate. I mean, I can't think of a, a new story that directs or uh, more clearly relates to Jesus dying on the cross. A Galilean whose blood was sacrificed for us at the hands of Pilate. I mean, Jesus is almost saying, yeah, I don't care about that because I'm about to do that myself for you. He says, and I want you to respond the right way. When I go and die, when I lay down my life, when I fertilize the soil, I want you to respond and I want you to bear fruit. Why? Because that's what I'm dying for. That's what I'm bringing about in your life. Because I see your purpose. I see your potential. I'm going to step in and do everything I can for you. And that includes laying down my life, allowing my body to be broken, allowing my blood to be shed so that I can bear, so that you can bear fruit and live out the purpose that you're packed with.
With that in mind, let's pray for communion. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next time.